The Pinball Network is online. Launching. Just another pinball podcast. Hello, this is Joel Engelberth with Just Another Pinball Podcast, episode 17. Um, first off, guys, I feel like I need to apologize. It's been uh, quite a while. I know my goal is to make a podcast roughly every two weeks, but um, yeah, life's just gotten kind of busy uh, with two little kids. I really only get free time after they go to bed, which is kind of a nine to midnight-ish kind of range. And um, yeah, I'm trying to finish my basement, so I've been working on that and just other side projects and working on little things. And uh, so yeah, definitely, I feel bad. I've had a few people on my stream and uh, basically, or on Facebook, reach out and they just ask, hey, when's, you know, can you do me a favor? Can you start making some more podcasts and can you stream more than one night a week? And uh to be honest, I'd love to. I, I, I can't, I, there's not enough content to, to, to make a podcast, you know, multiple times a week. Um, going weekly would be fine. Uh, I just don't want, I don't want it to feel forced, but I definitely do know that I, uh, there's been enough that's gone on in the last few weeks that I should have put out another podcast. So I apologize for the delay there. And, um, one of my goals for next year is to be much more structured in releasing a podcast that you guys can uh, consistently rely on. Um, and then when it comes to streaming, that's kind of something I need to negotiate more with my wife. Um, I stream every Wednesday night from 10 to midnight, 10 to 1 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. But, um, you know, committing to streaming on another night is just another night that she would have to be, you know, ready to help with the kids if, if they woke up or anything like that. So, um I cannot complain at all about what what all I've been involved in, and um, I've really enjoyed it so far this year. And my goal for, I, I would like to make another episode before the end of the year and just kind of do a year in review um, about what all I've experienced this year with pinball. But um, just give you a heads up, it's been, it's been really great, and I'm very appreciative of what all I've experienced. So that's kind of updates with me. Um, Nothing really to report, you know, game room's the same. I've been selling off. I had three arcade cabinets. I've been selling those off, just trying to um, dwindle myself down to one. It's a main machine. It kind of can do everything that I need. Um, and with redoing the basement, just trying to move stuff around um, so I can, you know, build the walls and put up drywall and all that fun stuff, uh, I realized at the end of the day that the, the area that I'm going to be allocated for my arcade area is smaller than my current area with the basement unfinished so i want to make sure that the the games that i have down there are what i want and uh what i want would be more pinball um so that's about it nothing nothing crazy to report there but um yeah let's dive in here um i had one review um on this week in pinball um since last time and this is from dan c and it just says wow a truly great podcast Joel's the man. I always look forward to listening to his podcast. His takes are always worth a listen, and if you have a chance, catch him on Twitch. Joel is great for the hobby of pinball. The only thing that could make an already great podcast even better is to have a co-host like me on this on his show. Seriously, hit me up. I'd love to chat pinball sometime. Yeah, Dan, I I do. I need to. I would consider a co-host to be honest. Um, I know the banter is is engaging, and and I would love the, to have that conversation. So, I don't know if anybody's listening, um, and that's something that they'd be interested to. Um, maybe I'd try a few episodes. Uh, the challenge is right now it is Saturday, uh, December nineteenth, twelve thirty in the morning. So trying to find time from for me to record is is 
the challenge. So scheduling that would be hard, but, um, I, I, I would humor it. So if, if that's something that anybody, any of the listeners are, are interested in, uh, give me an email at, uh, just another pinball at gmail.com. Um, another thing about TWIP, uh, or this week in pinball, the Twippy awards. Um, I thought about doing, I thought about putting out a podcast, but, um, they've closed it since then, but the Twippy awards, they, you have to dominate people. And, um, and my goal is, I mean, realistically, I don't, I don't, I, I think I might get a few nominations, whether or not it's streaming or podcast, but, um, I, there's zero chance that I'd win either. And, uh, at the end of the day, a cool achievement would be just to make the drop down list. So if anybody listening did nominate me, I, you know, thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate that. I really don't know at all if I'm, if I'll get, you know, two nominations or more. I, I don't know, but, um, Thank you to all the listeners. I, I really have appreciated the the support so far, and uh, I look forward to that. Um, there's been a lot of awesome content this year um, between streamers and podcasters and people on YouTube. Um, I think the pandemic has really highlighted this hobby. I mean, it's hurt competitive pinball, but it's really allowed a lot of us to dive into our collections. And streaming has just blown up. I mean, I. I I joined the, you know, the party this year with streaming and it's, uh, it's a ton of fun and there's a ton of people that do it really, really well. Um, and speaking of really well, that kind of transitions me to the next thing, which I want to talk about, which is pin clash. I know I'm a, I'm, I'm a little late here. A pin clash was, uh, what is it? Well over a week old. It may be more. You've probably already heard about it from a few podcasts, but all I can say is my hats off to Carl D'Angelo. Um, what an amazing guy. What a super nice guy. I've, I've asked him a few questions before in regards to streaming, and he always answers. But I will tell you, watching Pin Clash was probably the most entertaining um, watching of pinball that I've ever had. I mean, it's it's absolutely the best or the most entertaining way to watch a, a competitive way or, or people playing pinball competitively. Um, not only was the format really good with having these kind of timed, point-based, short um, pursuits of goals that were easily understood and explained, but it was also, I mean, everything was quick. It was, you're on the edge of your seat and, and you have these amazing players, but you know, even, even some of the best players in the world, if you give them a really simple task, you know, the, the, the nobody that's on, well, there was no nobodies on the, on the stream, but even the, you know, the non-competitive players that were just streamers that were competing, you know, they have a chance because they're quick. And then once they got into the later rounds, then it really got complex. Um, so I'm not trying to spoil anything here, but for the, the, for the final match to be Ray Day, Raymond Davidson and, uh, Escher, unbelievable. I mean, two younger people in this hobby that were just absurdly good. And it's just, it's just awe-inspiring how good they are at playing pinball. But besides that, the, just the production quality of pin clash is what I just, I think people may have not noticed. First off, hats off to Snow and, and to, um, Steve Bowden to to narrate or uh, be the commentators for like eight hours straight. I mean, amazing. They were very entertaining. But the behind the scenes, the fact that they had multiple people watching and judging and running that and preparing the next streamer. But the technical side of all this, that's what I think people don't understand, is streaming is not easy. There is, when you stream for Twitch... Um, sure, you, you're probably using a piece of software called OBS, but OBS does not have anything built for you. It's not like there's these templates that you're just plugging and playing. No, it's like everything that's there, everything that you saw that was visual, every graphic, 
every video, everything that was shown was something that Carl D'Angelo made or that he had, um, you know, had somebody make for him. All the way down to like the emotes, you know, when you're typing in chat, he had Jurassic Park themed emotes, which were done, uh, I heard they were done by Leslie of, of her, her Twitch name is El Rucco. She does, um, game time television. And shout out to Leslie and Rod Dog. That's another fantastic channel, which is Game Time Television on Twitch. But but everything, everything there was made and constructed. And then on top of that, you probably notice the transitions of like, you know, you have these two people competing against each other. But if one person finished, you know, all of a sudden you'd zoom in and you'd focus more on the one person still going. Or all of those transitions... Um, shout out to nested scenes for anybody that cares about, um, streaming. I mean, that is legitimate work and, and I stream and I try to take pride in having a good looking stream, but I am, what I am doing is so basic compared to what Carl had set up there. Not only just the video assets and the transitions and the nested scenes and everything that he had, but on top of that, he's pulling in people's streams because people were streaming and he had to pull that video in to make his video. I mean, it's unbelievable what he did. And on top of that, it went almost flawlessly. There was an audio sound early on and they just cut it and went with it. So to just do that first try, eight hours streaming nonstop and it go flawlessly is just unbelievable. And I just think that is something that if the Twippies had an option for like the best virtual event that is it pin clash is it and that's where in my mind best pinball streamer i i'm gonna vote ie pinball for carl d'angelo solely because i mean not only his wizard mode videos are incredible but what he did with pin clash is just absurdly good um and the other thing which some people may or may not have heard yet but the the grand prize of a thousand dollars that is carl's money that that came out of carl's pocket um he said that was all money that he had earned from twitch when he'd been streaming all these different things and he was just saving it up for one of the local tournaments he was going to run and that didn't happen so he's spending it here i mean that's just like i said hats off i cannot say enough good things about carl d'angelo and what he did with pink lash unbelievably good and entertaining so it should be out there i don't know if it's on youtube and twitch or what but if you haven't watched it give it a shot it's it's incredible and i hope to see i hope that becomes a yearly thing to be honest i think it was so incredibly well done um so i'm just falling right into these transitions speaking of well done um (laughs) when i was listening to the pinball show uh recently dennis complimented one of uh well he complimented somebody and Zach made it sound like that to him, like that's that's a life goal. And I realized, you know what, that that's a life goal for me as well. So I think everybody in the pinball hobby or in pin, pinball media should strive to to earn a compliment from Dennis Creasel because that compliment carries weight. So that is on my bucket list. That's on my to do list. And uh, just throwing that out there and seeing seeing what happens. Um, I'm just going to see if I can keep these transitions going. Speaking of throwing out, this is this is a bad transition. But um, I just heard tonight that uh, TPF, uh, Texas Pinball Festival, has been thrown out. That sounds, no. Texas Pinball Festival, unfortunately, for next year is canceled. Um, I know there was, um, that happens typically in March. And there was goals, this is down in Texas, that 
they were trying to wait until I think it was like mid January to kind of make the decision of whether or not they're going to go forward with that. But with vaccines just now going out to some of our medical workers, I mean, there's just, I think it's realistic that the mass population is not going to be vaccinated or there's really no way that Texas Pinball Festival is going to be able to be done safely um, in March. So um, unfortunately it's canceled, which is sad. Um, I know that's another big event, which is probably now going to put more pressure on Chicago Pinball Expo being the next like real big event. Um which I think is roughly like October. So maybe, maybe that, that one may have a shot. Um, have a shot. How do I tie this in? I was able to watch Led Zeppelin be shot tonight. That's solid, solid guys. I don't know if you guys, like I said, if you nominated me, you probably should feel bad now. You probably should nominate me for best podcast just due to these transitions alone. These are, these are gold. Let me tell you. Led Zeppelin. So um, Stern announced Led Zeppelin. And um, we all knew it was coming. And uh, to be honest, I, I I am not going to say anything negative about it. Like, I, I'm not here to talk down the game. There's other people that have already done that plenty. Um, to me, it just, it's just a theme I don't care about. Um, band pins are so, or music-based pins, can be really polarizing. I mean, I understand now with pen browser, you can change music, but you can't, and you can kind of change video assets too, but you can't change the pinball artwork. You can't change like the playfield art, the cabinet art. You can't do that. And I mean, I know there's a lot of people that don't like Iron Maiden at all, their music, and but love the game and have since taken the game and changed it with like disco or hip hop or other stuff. And, you know, okay, that's fine. I know, um... Nick with uh, Buffalo Pinball, he had his Metallica game swapped out. He loves that game, but he had all the Metallica music swapped out for Collective Soul. So I get that, but I think there are a lot of people that just, it's just a theme that music is can be very polarizing or, or a lot of people have opinions with music, musicians. They either love them or they don't care for them. And, um, you know, some people can look past different movie themes or TV show themes or, you know, I know when Rick and Morty was announced, there was a bunch of people that ever watched an episode of Rick and Morty, but they gave it a shot and then they ended up liking it. Um, but Led Zeppelin to me, it's just, it's not a band that I really care for. Um, I respect them for what they are and what they've done for rock music, but it's just, I've, I don't think I've ever once purposely played a Led Zeppelin song you know, cause I wanted to hear it and I just, it's just nothing I care about. And, um, I definitely think this is another machine kind of like Munsters that is targeted at an older demographic than, than I am. And you know what? I guarantee, I mean, there are people, Jeff Theolis has talked about how, um, this is a dream theme. This is his dream theme. So he's in for an LE without seeing it, without doing anything. And that's, that's cool. I mean, I totally get that to me. Turtles was my dream theme. I knew I couldn't afford an LE, and to be honest, I'm actually very happy with the Pro that I have. There's been some mechanical issues with the premiums and LEs with the glider and some of the other stuff that I'm I'm kind of glad I'm I'm not I don't have that headache. Um, but that's a whole nother conversation. But um, for, so to me, Led Zeppelin, I mean, just right out of the gate, it's just nothing I'm interested in. Um, on top of that, when I saw the pictures, the artwork is not you know if I'm just looking at art for art. It's not appealing to me in any way, um, but if you're a Led Zeppelin fan, these are albums that you've 
enjoyed or you're passionate about. So to see that artwork big is something that you probably want to flaunt in your basement. Um, and to have all three games based off of different album colors covers, or I think it was, I heard it was like the record label or something. I mean, this is very iconic Led Zeppelin imagery. So most of the week, everybody's just been talking about the art or pictures of the layout and how they think it would shoot. Um, well, tonight on Facebook, I was only able to catch, you know, a few minutes, but they streamed this on Facebook because of, um, DCMA, is that right? DMCA, um, the DMCA, the, the takedowns of basically playing music on streams. You know, I know Twitch would shut it down, could shut it down live. I, Facebook, they thought they'd have a better chance with Facebook. I think they tried going to YouTube or maybe they didn't, but, um, Whatever it was, there was only roughly 30-something minutes of it streamed, and I was able to catch maybe 10 of that, um, which was enough. I mean, I was able to see what I wanted to see, but that's going to be a challenge for streamers for sure. Um, yeah, how are they going to be able to stream this game? I know Guns N' Roses has, has experienced some issues with that. Um, I've never really been worried about that type of takedowns with my stream because I don't play music in the background and none of my games are music-based games. So I've not had to worry about it. Plus, I'm a small, small fish uh, in that avenue. So I, I don't know if I ever would get a uh, D- DMCA strike from Twitch. But the the, the stream itself was pretty short-lived. Um, I do think Jack tried a new camera angle. Um, kind of like a belly cam, so to kind of see more depth of the play field. But I still, I'm, I'm more of a fan of the overhead camera. Um, it was kind of hard to hear. He was, instead of doing direct capture with the audio, it was, I understand his trouble because he, he wants you to be able to hear the audio, but it can't be too clear because then the, you know, the DMCA bots are going to automatically detect the audio and kill the stream, which it did. So that's, he was kind of stuck and, and, and I don't know the best way that he could have revealed that pin. Ah, that's, that's not true. The best way that they could have revealed this pin is with a video. If they would have had a pre-recorded video, you know, 20 minutes, 30 minutes plus of gameplay and they released it on YouTube, that's, that's what they should have done. They should have, they should have done like a live, they should have released the video at like six o'clock and then at like seven o'clock done like a live walkthrough of um the game and tried to do a Q&A. They should have broke something up like that because that way they could they it could be polished and pristine and you could hear the audio perfectly. They they that in my opinion is what they should have done. But um but they didn't and that's fine. Um so what are my thoughts of Led Zeppelin? Um I think what we saw, we saw the premium tonight and I think the premium looks to shoot well, I mean, it's Steve Ritchie, Ritchie, the king of flow. Um, it looks like it's a fun shooting game. Uh, looks like there was a lot of assets. Um, they got concert footage. They, I like the idea of the, the, the songs just playing. I mean, it's almost like you're playing a jukebox kind of thing. Um, the game itself looks very entertaining. Um, now I think it's, there is going to forever be a comparison because of it being this year of this game to Guns N' Roses. And, um, there are a few, Things that I noticed that looked similar and some that were very different. Um, one thing that people are going to notice are the lights. Um, so I feel like I know with Guns N' Roses, they're called the hot rails. And it's having LED lights in the support rails on the side of the play field. Um, the pros in that are they're on every game, but they 
one thing I don't really like is they're they shoot up. They shoot up at your eyes. So I, I'm very curious. I don't think they add a ton of extra visual lighting, like adding light, like a Penn Stadium kind of thing. I don't know how much extra light they're adding on the play field to make things more visible. I think they're more just entertaining. So these lights are routed into Stern's lights are routed. There's like a groove that's cut out of the inside of the cabinet. And so they're stuck in that groove. So these are a few inches off of the play field. So I feel like these probably do add some light down on the play field. So I do like that. Um, visually I do, I, cause there's like a diffuser on, on, um, on Guns N' Roses. I think I like that a little better than Stern's, but I would say when they're going off, I mean, when you have this linear line of LED lights, they're doing very similar animations between Guns N' Roses and Stern pinball. And both of which, I mean, my view as I'm a huge fan of light and light shows and pinball is I hope that every Guns N' Roses game or every Jersey Jack game and every Stern game from here on out incorporates these lights in some manner. Even if it is just like on for kind of a pin stadium type option, I, I, I'm all for more lighting effects. And I think these are both creative ways to in- incorporate them. So I do think the light show for, for um, Led Zeppelin is really good. Um, one thing I mentioned about Guns N' Roses is Guns N' Roses, every single insert on the play field is clear with a color-changing RGB LED behind it. And they do some ridiculous light shows. But what I found in my time of playing it, once again, it was only like 10, 15 minutes. So I really didn't know the game. But when I would get into a song mode, so much light show was going on. All the inserts are changing colors to this choreographed you know, light show. That being that everything's changing and everything's flashing, it was kind of really hard to, in my opinion, it was kind of hard to determine well, which light is is choreographed light show and which light is actually telling me where to shoot. It got a little complicated. Um, what I saw here, I don't know if every insert is clear, but a lot of them are clear. So almost, a lot of these inserts with um, Led Zeppelin actually have RGB LEDs behind them. But when it came to the choreographed light show for the song, they basically kept the choreography up in those Art Blade lights. And there's a name for them. I just I can't remember that name right now. But um, so you have a lot of choreography going on, but yet the Playfield insert lights changed a little bit, but they were not distracting at all. Like I, they were very clear what to hit. And believe it or not, as much as I like cinematography and chore not that's the wrong word but like the choreography of the light and i enjoy fancy light shows at the end of the day though you're still playing pinball and i don't i i don't i i think i am actually leaning towards kind of a less is more kind of thing i i kind of actually appreciated how led zeppelin stayed, stayed focused like the light show was it would change based on what you need to shoot and what you have shot but yet there wasn't this crazy choreographed light show going on that distracts from the actual gameplay. Um, so I like that. Um, I think the mech on the premium and LEs, that pop-up spinner is really creative. I, I think that that's got to be fun to, to shoot. And then the fact that the ball will, you can charge up that magnet, the ball will grab it. And then um, Steve Ritchie and chat said something about they, they have it programmed in a way that that could then be thrown out of it which is probably just all about pulsing that magnet away that could potentially throw the ball down or throw it up, I think is very creative. So I'm curious to see where that goes. Um, so overall, everything that I saw on the premium, I, I think was pretty impressed. I, pr- impressive. I think, I think 
um, there were probably more people, and maybe it was just because Pinside did such a such a good job of just destroying Led Zeppelin this week, just bashing it left and right, that I think maybe people had really low expectations. And then once the stream started, people were actually very impressed by it. So I hope it's successful. I, I think they've already, I'll be curious to hear TPS on, on um, Monday. Zach will probably, I, mean, I think he already said that all of his LEs were like sold out, sight unseen. Um, and I bet that's but that's probably where it is, um, which is great. I mean, I hope this game makes a lot of Led Zeppelin fans happy. And at the end of the day, if you're a Led Zeppelin fan and you're a Guns N' Roses fan, you probably have a tough decision to make on which one you want to go for. Um, now, what I will say is everything I saw on the premium looked really good. Those lights are not on the Pro. And then the other thing is the upper flipper shot on the premium feeds a ramp that that you know feeds your right flipper. So you can just keep these combos going left and right. They removed that ramp, and they basically just put in a stand-up target on the Pro. And to me, that just... I, I haven't seen it played, but it just seems like it's a buzzkill. Like, it just seems like it's... it's I don't know. I feel like this is one of those games where you, you might have to go premium. You might have to go premium. Um, and Stern does that on certain games. I mean, some games... I, I have an Avengers right now. And I will say the premium looks like it's fun, more fun to shoot, but I really don't feel like I'm missing anything necessary to enjoy the game. This, the Pro is a great game. Um, I, I also think that with Turtles, the premium, what's added in the premium, in my opinion, is a lot of just fun toys or cosmetic things. I do not feel like I'm missing any part of the game or the gameplay because I have the Pro. Um but like Stranger Things, that's a tough one because that projector adds so much. It's not, and it doesn't interfere with gameplay. The gameplay is not any different. But that is such a big difference between the pro and premium that um, I feel like a bunch of people probably went premium unless they were concerned about the projector in general. So uh, that's a tough. It's a tough thing. It's a very tough decision. And um, but I do think there are certain games like Deadpool's a game where I think the pro is solid. I don't know if you really have to go premium. Turtles, I definitely think Pro is probably better than going premium. Um, but uh, in this game, I, I don't know. I don't know if you can go Pro. If you're used to Steve, Richie, Speed, and combos, at least from what I've seen so far, I haven't seen it flipped. I haven't seen it streamed. I think you kind of have to go premium or Ellie. That's just my opinion. So, I don't know. That's on Zeppelin. Um, I, I think I was impressed. I was more impressed tonight with what I saw. With that said, it's still nothing that I personally am looking or really interested in. I'll gladly play it if I ever, you know, whenever this lightens up and if a bar gets one, I'll gladly play it. I do think this game would do incredibly well at a bar. This is a perfect bar game. Um, yeah, it could do very, very well on location. Um, I'm out of transitions. Let's talk about Alien. Alien Pinball, Pinball Brothers. Um, I've been listening today. Uh, I know the Super Awesome Pinball Show announced today. I was I was kind of mid-interview. They it's like a two and a half hour podcast. I'm I think I'm only like an hour plus in. Um, they were interviewing Pinball Brothers, and I I haven't had a chance to finish that uh, interview. But what I can say is, um, I part of me feels bad for these guys. I mean, they have lost a ton of money. It seems like when they bought uh, Highway Pinball from Andrew Highway, they uh, were kind of hoodwinked. They definitely they thought they were getting something better than what they got and i i feel bad for these guys 
sounds like they lost a lot of money and they said a lot of money that they lost were refunds, giving refunds to people. They were really hoping a lot of people would stay in with their with their deposited their deposit so that they could give them a machine and a ton of people were like no the heck with this uh i just want my money back so i i kind of i i haven't finished it and i don't know all the ins and outs um but i just my my one thing so far is i feel bad for for the pinball um, brothers so um I think if 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 Alien has always been one of those games that you wanted to own, and I have not had a chance to play the original one, but if this is a game that that you've been all about, but you've been very intimidated by or worried that you know the parts are unobtainium and all this stuff, I mean, maybe here's your chance. Um, I do know this is an unknown, you know, manufacturer, and I think everybody should be hesitant in giving out their money to you know when you haven't seen a single one produced. I totally get that. But there's there's probably a bunch of excited people out there. And I think once some of these games start to roll out, I don't know if there's a limit on how many they're going to make or the time frame in which they're going to make them. But, you know, if, if whatever, 50 get out there and everything seems good, I bet there'll be a lot of people jumping on that train. Um, my overall opinion of it, um, I'm not in love with the artwork. I'm not in love with the artwork. Again, I think this is an opportunity. This was a take two. This was a chance to improve. Um, I, what I've heard is that the game shoots well and the, it's the immersion and the story and the sound package and the art package or the, the, the digital art package is apparently this game is obscenely good, but I think the playfield art probably could have been improved and this was an opportunity to do that. And they didn't, they didn't do it, um, which is fine. Um, but to me, this isn't a game once again, that I'm, that it's not like it's on my radar or something that I'm going to be pursuing in any way. Um, but I, but I wish them the best of luck and I hope that the game, um, is made and comes out well. And there's a bunch of people that are, you know, happy to finally get this game. So, um, I wish them, absolutely wish them the best of luck. Um, but there is just like anything without seeing them manufacture games, I would love for them to communicate that better. Who's going to manufacture these, where are these going to be manufactured, you know, build that type of trust before you ask for deposits. Um, so that's kind of a perfect and easy uh, roll into the next one, which is Deep Root. I know there are so many people that are so nervous about this right now, and I think they've been smart. They uh, might kind of take away from all of this is Deep Root has officially revealed Raza for people to buy. Um, you could place an order tonight. You could buy a Raza. Um, and I do applaud them. They're only asking for a 10% deposit, but... You know, last time John Papadou collected money, he burned a lot of people. And and it's tough because this game is a J-pop game and J-pop works for Deep Root. And so there's a lot of people that are like, nope, never doing that again. Um, they only, they are only asking for 10%. So it's, it's, you know, it's roughly between five and 600 bucks. I mean, that's still, that's still a large amount of money, but it's not an absurd. They're not asking for a full payment. Um, so I, there's a lot of guys out there that are, there are people that are willing to take that gamble. And to be honest, I'm glad that there are people willing to take that gamble. Um, just because my opinion with Deep Root is there's nothing about Raza that I personally am excited. Like that theme is not a theme that I feel like I must own. What excites me about Deep Root is their technology. I like I like what they're doing with the cabinet. I like what they're doing with the, the glass raising up. I like the idea of the pin bar. I see a lot of unique and revolutionary things here. And I hope 
that it can, you know, this is iteration number one. I hope iteration two and three only continues to improve. So in my opinion, I understand that, that Deep Root just needs to get through this game so that they can get to the next games. They can get to the games that people care about. And that I, they've hinted at Goonies. I think they said Food Truck's next. Food Truck, I bet Food Truck will probably have more sale, maybe more sales than Raza, just because if Raza is successful, if they... If they, they're going to close off orders at the end of the month, so I don't know if they'd announce, but if they said, hey, we ended up getting 80 orders, and boom, within two months, all 80 people got them. If they can build that type of trust, I bet they will, you know, people won't hesitate to buy food truck if that's something, if the gameplay and the, and the way it looks and shoots is something that's advertising, people will probably jump on it. But if they can build trust in those first two games, and if game number three is Goonies, there's a chance that that, that could absolutely be a hit on their hands, but... But I understand that we need to get through these first games first. Um, so I'm rooting for Deep Root. I hope they do well. I've listened to um, Pinball Profiles, interviewed them. I enjoyed the interview. I enjoyed the passion that these guys have and the excitement. And um, at this point, you know, it's kind of a put up and shut up kind of thing. And I hope I hope they get, you know, enough orders to justify making the game between now and the end of the year. And I hope these first few months next year, you know, they can get their stuff together and they can make a game because I, I, you know, Deep Root may be something we're all talking about in a year from now or two years from now as potential games that we'll all want to buy. Um, so I, I absolutely wish them the best of luck there. Um, so that's kind of my updated info or at least what's going on in the pinball world. Um, it only took me 30 minutes. So that's kind of my opinions there. Um, one thing, though, that I did realize is Alien Pinball, they took out the screen. They had a screen in the middle of the play field, and it was basically showing or displaying everything that you needed um, to know. Is basically mirroring what's on the back box. And I know Deep Root, Deep Root has the pin bar, and I know the pin bar is mirroring, you know, kind of what's on the back box. And so it kind of leads me to this question of, well, where are your eyes? Where are your eyes when you're playing pinball? And uh, it really made me wonder about, um, so like Avengers. When I first got Avengers, I wasn't super impressed with the assets. Like the video assets, they didn't, I didn't really find them entertaining at all. Um, It's not that they're bad, there's just nothing, they're not movie clips, they're not, you know, like Stranger Things has direct clips, direct audio from the show, so to look up and see scenes that you remember and moments, I think it becomes much more immersive. Um, And Avengers doesn't have that, it doesn't have any movie scenes or anything that like bring me in or, or reconnect any sort of memories. Turtles, I actually, on my Turtles, I have the 1987 code installed, which was made by two guys on Pinside, and um they replaced all the video assets and one of the other guys replaced all the 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 audio assets to the game um but all the video assets are from the original cartoon show so when i look up at the dmd when i'm playing that the dmd the the lcd when i'm playing that like i'm seeing clips that remind me of my childhood like every time i look up at that screen like it brings me joy um, and Avengers doesn't necessarily do that, which is, which is fine. But what I've realized is, you know, when, when I look up at an LCD screen, it's usually just, I'm trying to look for some bit of information. And I'm looking back down. I don't, I don't rely on the LCD screen for entertainment. Um, and so, yeah, where are your eyes when you play? And I, and I do think there's some 
you know, it, it makes sense having a display down near the flippers where you're actually looking. So for Alien to remove that display, I think is unfortunate because I definitely think that that is, it was one of the things that, that it did really well. And that's one of the reasons I think the pin bar, excuse me, I'm yawning. Wow, I should maybe potentially record these earlier <laughs> or I'm just boring myself. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, the pin bar, I think, having the the graphics down on the pin bar um i think there's there it could add a lot of entertainment i mean if you're gonna do spend all this time making these animations and videos you know put them in a place that i can see and i think that's something that actually turtles does really well because turtles there's different every time you finish a mode the last shot is one there's four shots that all four of these shots have the ability to stop the ball and that's what I think is really cool is because when you finish an episode and you hit that last shot, one of those four, it stops the ball and it allows you to look up and watch the animation finish, like watch the episode finish. So it, it, it gives you that breather to like in the light show, in the, the LCD screen. Like I think that's really smart. Like um, if you're going to do all this effort putting in these video assets, you know, make it so that the people can view them or see them. And that's where I think having your eyes or a screen or having the ability to see something down low is actually really, really, really smart. Um, so one of the reasons I think the pin bar is good, um, and it kind of bums me that Alien aliens actually took that out. Um, another thing, though, is when it comes to, like, pinball companies taking things out, like I know on Alien they took out a few things because there are mechanical issues. And um, I know I mentioned earlier about um, uh, Turtles. And Turtles Premiums and LEs actually had or, or have had a bunch of mechanical issues. And in particular, the glider, the servo they used, apparently is a pretty cheap servo. So there's a whole thing on the pin side thread of people replacing that servo with a better, more robust servo and actually having better luck with those things. And um, it, it actually brings me to the to the question of like, are mechs, are complicated mechs kind of worth it? And um, what I mean is, um, Travis Murray, Marv Loco um, on, on YouTube, shout out to him. He he mentioned on one of my streams, he's actually had a bunch of issues with, he, he was an LE buyer. Every machine that he's had, I think has been an LE. But what he's found is a bunch of the games have all had kind of mechanical issues. And he's kind of thinking of, you know, a lot of times when you go with a pro, a lot of those mechanical, the fancy mechanical mechs are actually stripped out of the game. Um, and I'm realizing they're probably more reliable and they're, they're removing the things. You know, Avengers, the original subway mech was having issues. Um, Stranger Things, there's an extra, the telekinesis uh, multi, multi-ball lock has had issues on a ton of people's games. Same with the Demogorgon where you have to adjust that and get that in just the right spot. And so it, it made me wonder, like, I know my friends and family, toys, having cool mechanical mechs in a game add a lot to the game. I mean, that's you want to see something unique. You want to see the ball do something cool besides just roll around on the play field and go up and down a ramp. You know, you want it to experience something that is neat. But um, I owned a Shadow at one point in time, and that the Shadow had some amazing mechs. Um, both ramps had these really robust mecha metal mechanical diverters that would just slap. Like when you would change them, the smack, the speed at which they change was so intense. It was awesome. It had this awesome drop target 
um, um, uh, I can't, mag- magnetic, I couldn't think of that word, magnetic ball lock, where it would stop the ball, it would drop this drop target, and then sling the ball into the back and pop the drop bar- target back up. And then it had this whole upper play field that was basically like a breakout kind of thing that would go back and forth with this paddle and hit the ball and it would bounce around and hit these drop targets. I mean, some amazing, amazingly cool toys in the game. But to be honest, I, and maybe it was because I was part of the pinside thread and a lot of people talked about, well, how do you rebuild the upper play field? How do you fix these diverters? How do you do this? How do you do this? Well, I had diverter issues that I had to fix. And then I had some big issues with the, with the drop target that was used for the magnetic ball lock that I troubleshoot and did all these things. But I just, it was like the, the more I owned the game, I was like always worried that I was just weeks away from my upper play field breaking and no longer working. And I was going to have to invest more money in getting it to work. And, um, and I realized it's just like, that game has all these toys and bells and whistles, but it, the toys and bells and whistles almost made me nervous. They almost made me nervous that they were going to break. And um, that's not a fun feeling. So I understand there are people out there that own Big Lebowski or own the original Alien. They own some of these games that aren't being made. Well, actually, both of those are being made now. But at the time, they weren't being made. And so people were almost hesitant to play them because they don't want to break anything. Because if you break it, it's unobtainable. So... I personally have really been kind of wrestling with that that idea of you know are more are the mechanical mechs worth it and and there are mechs out there that I think are consistent and reliable and there's other ones like unfortunately this turtles glider that ends up being a nightmare and um and so yeah there's got to be a balance there of, of what type of game do I want that's also reliable and consistent and that that's actually something that that you know speaks well for a bunch of these older games you know when some of these older games were made in the 80s and 90s with these awesome mechs and they've been working all these years and and you re, you've heard that people aren't having problems with them I mean that's awesome that that actually speaks a lot for Maybe it was more simplistic design or just more reliable or robust design because all these games were, were designed to be out in an arcade instead of a home. Um, that's really cool. Um, like when I owned Hobbit, Hobbit was another thing. I never had any mechanical issues with Hobbit. But the Hobbit had these four different creatures that would pop out of the play field. The smog head itself would... Apparently there was an issue there with the servo and the mouth moving. So it was another thing where I loved the game. I loved the mechanical aspects of that game. But I was also always kind of a little worried or a little anxious that they could break at any moment. And then I'd have some, it would be something I'd legitimately have to repair. And um, so I don't know. It's just, it's just a thought. I don't, I mean, if feel free, feel free to shoot me an email just another pinball at gmail.com or find me on Facebook or Pinside. But I'm just curious of what people's views on some of these mechs are because I just feel like there are, there are some mechs that make it into games nowadays that just don't have the reliability that we need them to. And um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know exactly what I'm trying to say with that. But what I have found is there are, I mean, there are definitely reliable mechs out there. And um, I think mechs do a really good job of drawing people into games, especially non-pinball people. And I've said before that for me to own a game, it really has to have depth for, for me, a, a more advanced player, to, to really dig into and and figure out and hopefully a, lo- a longevity of the code, something that, that always draws me back in. But it also needs something simplistic 
and something really entertaining and cool that a novice player could see and enjoy. And um, a light bulb kind of went off recently. And um, what I've realized is I've told you before that like my friends and family's favorite game to ever play on location pre-COVID was uh, Medieval Madness. There was something about that castle that just everybody enjoyed. The drawbridge, the gate, and then blowing it up. It's a simple mech. Apparently, mechanically, it's a really simple and reliable mech. But it is a fun, easy-to-achieve thing. Um, And when I had Stranger Things, Stranger Things, people loved hitting the drop targets, dropping the ramp, and bashing that guy in the mouth. And when I owned Shadow, people loved... The upper play field, just getting the ball back there and bouncing around, loved it. Thought it was super entertaining. So what what do all these things have in common? And what they have in common is Brian Eddy. Brian Eddy is the designer of all three of those, and he also designed Attack from Mars. I've never owned Attack from Mars, but Attack from Mars has this fantastic toy right up the middle. You bash these targets, it drops down, and then boom, you get to blow up this ship. And I know talking to other people on stream... You know, Attack from Mars is a game that their friends and family love more than any other game. They just love blowing up that ship. And um, so to me, this is actually, it's it's sad, but I know Led Zeppelin just came out. I saw the pictures. It's just it's just a, not a theme. I'm not bashing in any way. It's just not a theme that I personally am excited about. But of course, I'm that guy. I'm not trying to be ungrateful, but I'm kind of like, all right, well, what's the next one? You know, like Keith, Keith John Borg just, he had turtles. Keith went with Avengers. Here's Steve Ritchie. So I don't think Gomez is going to design anything anymore. I think he's focusing on his actual, you know, kind of managerial job. But I think I could be wrong, but I, I, I'm thinking Brian Eddy's next. And I, to be honest, I think I'm kind of right now four for four when it comes to being a fan of Brian Eddy games. And so to me, that's something that when I'm looking in the future, what am I looking forward to most? Probably Brian Eddy. I think Brian Eddy is probably a designer that I could reliably say I like. I like what he does, and I like his balance of depth and yet something for novice players to play. So that is what I'm looking forward to. I don't know any rumors of what it is. I don't. I don't know anything. But I'm. I'm very curious to see if he's next. I'm very curious, and I don't know if he's next. I hope he's next. But he's he's something I'm looking forward to. The other designer that I think I'm I really enjoy is John Borg. I really enjoyed Turtles. And I before Turtles, I owned a Guardians of the Galaxy, and I really enjoyed that. And that kind of leads me to my next thing. I think if everything falls into place, the next game I'm going to own is a John Borg game, and that is Metallica. Metallica is actually a game. I'm a Metallica fan. Metallica is a game, to me, that I know friends and family will enjoy. Because there's some awesome toys, but yet they're reliable. They're they're toys that I don't think will, you know, I need to worry about whether or not they're going to break at any moment. Sparky is an amazing toy that anybody could enjoy. Magnets are always cool. Um, and the reality is if there's a shot or the way that I explain Metallica to friends and family is pick a song, let's turn up the volume. And then if there's a shot that you can hit consistently, just keep hitting that shot and you're going to end up in a multi-ball. Whether it's cross multi-ball, snake multi-ball, coffin multi-ball, sparky, any of that. Um, but the real reason I'm thinking I'm getting Metallica is um, I have a buddy of mine who's unfortunately he operates some games. He's pulling a bunch of these games um, and kind of getting out of operating them. And this is one of the games he's, he's going to sell. So I think I, I have a chance of getting it at a good price. 
Um, but I have my goal would be I'd love for my parents to get a pinball machine and I want to get my dad hooked on pinball. I, w- I want to share this hobby with him. That could be a lot of fun. Um, so if he can get a pinball machine in his basement right now, I actually have a centipede, the arcade game that's it's mine, but I have it at their house. And apparently he plays it a few times a week. You know, I has a long day, stressful. He goes down there. Well, I think centipede just kind of pisses him off, but, um, he does, he plays it. So I'm hoping that if he has a pinball table at his, you know, leisure that he can play whenever he wants that he doesn't have to pay for um i think there's a chance there's a small chance that i could get him hooked and i think this is there he's a metallica fan and this is something that he may actually learn to enjoy um so i'm going to start it with it at his house and then once i get my basement kind of finished i'll probably end up pulling it here or uh maybe i'll get even really lucky and he'll buy it from me and that's money that then i could use I just leave the game there and that's his and one I can play whenever I go there. And then I'd use that money on something that I want. So that's, that's a game that I'm looking forward to. Um, I know there's a, there's kind of a love hate relationship with Metallica. A lot of people love it more than hate it. Um, but some people say it's chopping wood, but to me, I actually really like the linear progression. Like I like the focus that it actually has of understanding what you need to do. I mean, I kind of experienced that with Stranger Things of like, all right, I need to do this, 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 and this. And then boom, I'm in the first mini wizard mode. And then you got to do it again. Like I'm, I'm okay with that. I think I can enjoy that. TNA is nothing but chopping wood essentially, you know, boom, 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 destroy reactor, start over. Boom, 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 destroy reactor, start over. Like I'm, I'm believing, believe it or not, I'm okay with that. So, um, that is what's coming up for me. So if anybody has love, hate for Metallica, whatever that is, shoot me an email. Love to uh, love to hear what your thoughts are there. Um, streaming. Speaking of streaming, I've, I've been doing it more. I've really been enjoying it a ton. I, absolutely a ton. So anybody listening to this, please, every Wednesday night from um, 10 to usually midnight or 10 to 1 Eastern Standard Time. I've had a bunch of Australian people join at that time. Just the conversation is what I love. I love, love, love doing that. So if anybody listening to this podcast enjoys this, this is just a one-way conversation unless you email me. But if you can hop on the stream, let's have a dialogue. Let's have a back and forth. Um, I've really been enjoying that. Um, I've been streaming uh, Avengers still. This is a game I have on loan from... uh, Flipping out pinball, so I got to thank Zach Mini for that. Um, but Avengers, I'm enjoying it more every time I play it. It's still not a game that I personally would want to own, just because I kind of described this on stream. I think of Avengers as as kind of like a Grand Theft Auto or a Fallout or a Red Dead Redemption, just an open world. No, it's not going to pull you in one any direction at any moment. It just allows you to do what you need to do. And you can attack that game in so many different ways. And some people love that because that means every single time they play it, they can play it slightly different than the last time. Or they can try different methods or try different tactics. Um, I Maybe I just like having my handheld or I like linear. I like, you know, with video games, I like Super Mario. I like platformers. I like it being very clear where to go and what your goal is to do. And here, let's do it. Um, so I don't know. To me, it just I, I think that's just kind of a Keith Elwin style. Um, but I'm enjoying it more. I'm getting more of an idea of what I want to do or how I want to, uh, tackle it. And the game shoots great. So I'm enjoying it. I'm absolutely enjoying streaming it. But is this a game that I feel like I will ever end up in my collection? Probably not. Probably not. That's just my opinion there. Um, another thing about Zach and Dennis, I've mentioned them twice. Uh, last week, um, Zach, uh, 
he interviewed Jason Fowler and he actually gave me a, a kind of a shout out on the, on the, the podcast. And he really made me seem like I was just fanboying, you know, I got a, I got a crush on Jason Fowler and, um, sure. Why not? I, what I will say is when I looked at the other podcasters out there, there were podcasters that have either been in pinball for 30 plus years or, you know, Zach, as much as I like Zach, I do know he's a distributor. So I, you know, there's always that little bit of, well, is he selling this game or is this his opinion on the game? Um, you know, I enjoy the positivity that, that Jason Fowler brought. And I, for whatever reason, I felt like I could connect with Jason, even though he had, he clearly, he had an amazing collection. He had 20 plus games, like we're at different points in our lives, different financial points for sure. But I just, what I appreciated is I knew when I was listening to Jason Fowler, I was listening to his true, honest opinion and I enjoyed, I don't know. It just made me laugh and it made me smile. So Yes, I do miss Jason Fowler. If that means I got a crush on him, sure, I'll take it. But um, I thought that was awesome. It was so good to hear his voice. It was so good to hear him on that last podcast. Um, so thanks for the shout out and um, nothing but but good wishes for for Jason and his family and what he did with his um, donating two machines and getting him placed in the hospital uh, in in memory of his dad is just unbelievably cool. Um, so yes, absolutely, I got to applaud him for all of that. Um, for sure. So, um, yeah, I think that is about it. I don't, I don't know what else. I know it's been a while. Um, I know I need to record these more often, just kind of throwing out my hot takes on whatever I got. But, um, oh, last thing, another going back to the stream. This is very important. Uh, save the best, the really the hot topic, what everybody really cares about. Save it for the end. But, um, Two times ago when I streamed, um, or this was three times ago, there became a rather heated conversation about, um, this is very sensitive, this is a sensitive topic, um, I don't know, I haven't heard really any other podcasters cover this yet, um, but I do know it, it's, it's a big, it's a big issue, it's a big issue and it impacts a lot of people that people can relate to in the pinball industry, but what, really what it comes down to is crunchy or smooth peanut butter, and, um, I am on Team Smooth. I am. I have, was raised on smooth peanut butter. Smooth peanut butter, in my mind, is the way to go. But I have found that there are some very passionate, crunchy peanut butter people out there. And so I wanted to be respectful of that, and I wanted to give it a shot. Uh, I've, I've never bought a jar of crunchy peanut butter in my life. Um, I just get the crunch out of my peanut butter. I don't I don't want it there. Um, but what I was told is uh, Chuck Wirt of Straight Down the Middle, um, he told me... Um, I needed to try crunchy peanut butter on toast. So I actually have my wife involved. And so two streams ago, she actually made a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, toast with peanut butter. And then just, we just ate it straight out of the jar with a spoon and we gave it a shot. And what I will tell you is if I'm making a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, smooth is the way to go. Get the crunch out of there. Nobody wants it. Smooth is the way to go. Straight out of the jar. Same thing. Smooth is the way to go. But I was pleasantly surprised that crunchy peanut butter on toast, in my opinion, is actually more, is better than just smooth peanut butter on toast. Um, that conversation went further. Jordan at Fliptronic, Jordan and Becca basically said, you got to, if you ever have like a biscuit and you make that warm or hot biscuit, crunchy peanut butter on that, that's the way to go. So um, just sharing that. I know you guys were waiting for that information. You guys have probably wondered that yourself, but I've got to say, still on Team Smooth, 
But you know what? If I was just going to make a piece of toast, I would go crunchy if I had that as an option. So just throwing that out there. Um, but yeah, I think that's about all I've got. Um, if there's anything, like I said, I'm, I'm looking forward to recording another podcast before the end of the year. Kind of want to do a 2020 wrap up. If there's any topic that you guys would like me to cover or something that's happened in 2020, I should probably prepare a little better for that. Um, please send me an email, just another pinball at gmail.com. I used to get emails all the time. I haven't gotten a ton, uh, recently and that's fine. I'm not uh, totally fine. And I, but please do not hesitate. If there's anything that you want to say, something I'm sitting doing well, or need to cover, whatever it is, shoot me an email, just another pinball at gmail.com or find me on Pinside. Joel Bob, um, is my handle there. Um, or on Facebook, Joel Engelberth. But, um, yeah, I think double checking my notes real quick. That is it. Um, songs for, that's another thing I should probably prepare for. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I should feed Zach any more songs. Um, but, uh, yeah, I got nothing. Nothing's coming to head to, to, to my head right now on something. I, I believe I can fly. There you go. He can sing that one or kiss by a rose by seal. I think, did I say that last time? I don't know. There's your two songs. But that's it. That's it. This has been episode 17. Uh, Once again, my name is Joel. This is just another pinball podcast. I hope everybody's doing well. Everybody can have a great day. Uh, Happy holidays coming up. Be safe. Enjoy the time um, in whatever capacity you can safe with your family. And um, yeah, hopefully you'll hear from me soon. Thanks. Bye.